Oh, wait. Oh, look at Looper, man. Okay. We're zoning them, man. We're zoning them. We're gonna die. Thank you, Momo shot. Oh! Josh, set the scene for us here. Well, there's about a half dozen guys sitting in a dark room just playing video games. They're mostly in their early 20s, and it's pretty clear that it's a group of guys who's been hanging out with one another for quite some time. Similar scenes are probably playing out in hundreds of basements and attics at this very moment. But this is a little different. Yeah, that's right. This isn't just a group of kids goofing around. It's actually a professional sports team practicing. People have been playing video games against one another since video games have existed. But there's a rapidly growing industry being built around professional video game competitions. Also known as esports. Big championship matches draw live crowds of over 10,000 people and online audiences that hit the tens of millions of viewers. What you heard earlier was a team I recently visited in Los Angeles. They're called Echo Fox, and they were practicing for this year's North American League Championship Series. Which is a contest for people who play the game League of Legends. LCS is one of the most prominent esports leagues. And Echo Fox is built on a particularly ambitious vision for the future of esports. Taken together, Echo Fox and LCS show us just how big esports might eventually become, and also how much has to be figured out along the way. Hi, I'm Aki Ito. And I'm Joshua Brustein. And this week on Decrypted, we're taking you inside this world of video game competitions. We'll be showing you how esports resembles traditional sports and how it looks much, much different. We'll also introduce you to a couple of key characters in this business, starting with Rick Fox. Rick is an actor, and he also won three NBA championships playing basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers. Money is pouring into esports from professional sports. And the esports business is changing fast. We'll look ahead at what the industry's trying to build for the coming years. So, Josh, to report out this episode, you escaped the brutal New York winter to spend a couple days in California. Yeah, that's right. I flew out to LA in January to spend some time with the people who run Echo Fox, the professional sports team we mentioned earlier. Bad luck for me, it was actually kind of cold and rainy when I got there. So I jumped in a cab at the airport and headed to what Echo Fox's press people had described to me as the team's training facility. <laughs> Sounds fancy. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Have a good day. Okay, so here I am. I can say that from the looks of this building, professional video games have not quite made it to the level of the NBA in terms of glamour and glitz. I'm standing on a pretty drab street, right across the street from a self-storage unit, um, a dentist and a gas station. It's like a plain brick building. Um, so, you know, clearly not quite the big time yet. Okay, so not so fancy. 
Well, the, the players had these huge, comfortable-looking padded chairs. Those were kind of fancy. But otherwise, no. So I'm trying to picture it here. What'd you see? There was no stretching or drills or anything. The guys pretty much walked in, sat down, and started playing video games. They all refer to one another by their screen names. So the captain is Froggen, and he's kind of a joker. He was messing around. He kept flipping back and forth to watch a basketball game when uh, the action slowed down. And their big free agent is, is a young guy named Looper. He didn't say much of anything at all because he just came over from Korea and doesn't really speak English. While they were playing, I hung out with Tim Cho. He's one of the coaches, and he had his laptop open on his knees. So I'm just writing about what I think my certain players need to work on, specifically what we notice and the things we need to immediately correct. And so you have a spreadsheet open on your computer and you just have a column for each player or something? Yes. That's what I'm going to do right now. And then uh, what I'm planning on doing is I'm going to print out a sheet. Because coaching in this game is really arbitrary and a lot of it's something that hasn't been figured out yet completely. Esports is changing fast. Video game publishers are now just starting to treat this as a potentially serious part of their business. According to the research firm Superdata, it was an $892 million industry last year. This year, it's projected to cross the billion-dollar mark. And people and organizations associated with traditional sports have begun investing in esports organizations or just setting up their own teams from scratch. The owners of the basketball teams, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Miami Heat, and the Sacramento Kings have all made recent esports investments. The NBA itself just announced that it was starting its own video game league. It's based on NBA 2K, which is this popular basketball video game made by the company Take-Two Interactive. In the league, actual NBA teams will field their own digital teams that will compete against one another in a video game depicting the actual NBA teams. (laughs) Sounds meta. (laughs) Yeah, very But before all that, there was Echo Fox. It was one of the first moves from traditional sports to eSports. It's named after Rick Fox, the former NBA player and actor. Rick Fox, Miller guarding him. He pumps up a three. Crazy like a fox. He got together a group of investors that started the team near the end of 2015. Rick is six foot seven, and <laughs> I'm not much of a basketball fan, so I had to Google him. But he's a very handsome guy. He's also acting in a bunch of TV shows. Yeah, if you walk around LA with him, people honk their horns and wave. He's a real celebrity. And when he started this esports team, it was as if the popular jock had walked into the cafeteria one day and just suddenly decided to sit down with the nerds. So this was a big validation for the people already involved in esports. They were onto something big. Yeah, and Rick has served as something of a tour guide for other people in traditional sports who want to follow him into the business but are a bit confused. He said it's a funny feeling. Um, I feel like someone dropped me in a foreign country and I was forced to learn the language, you know, so I've, I've been able to speak it, I would say, pretty, pretty fluently uh, as of today. Um, but... Still, I, 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 miss, I maybe miscongregate a verb here and there every once in a while. You know? <laughs> but um, I'm getting there, you know? So another guy I want to introduce you to is Jace Hall. He's the CEO of Echo Fox. 
Jace is a celebrity in the video game world. He's made a bunch of his own video games, and he used to run the video game studio at Warner Brothers. Jace is also about six foot seven, which makes him one of the only people in the industry as tall as Rick Fox. The two men met nearly a decade ago at a conference. They immediately hit it off, and Jace invited Rick over to the film production studio he was running at the time. Here's Jace. He eventually uh, came over, and um, he saw the world that my, you know, this is, you, you took a look at the office, right? It's like a bit of a playground for video games. He came to this office? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, um, you know, the minute he walked in, it was like, you know, the little kid gets unlocked. Next thing we know, we're playing video games against each other and competing. Jace is unbelievably good at video games. And according to Jace, so is Rick. Rick is probably the best Miss Pac-Man player that's ever been in the NBA. I can tell you that right now. Of the higher levels, Miss Pac-Man gets pretty serious. He has not yet been able to take me in that game. Um, but serious competition evolved out of that. We started live streaming it, and uh, you know, just in, and we started building an audience around that. Um, and then that's really where some of our competitive rivalry just started spanning different video games. I will give Rick this. There's an arcade game called Galaga, or some people call it Galaga, which he is just dominates. The day after I met Jace, I had breakfast with Rick. I told him that Jace had mentioned Miss Pac-Man. Oh, did he bring up Galaga? He didn't bring up. He, he, did, he did. He did. I don't think there was a single person in that building who did not bring up their Galaga. Well. Yeah, because they're all they were all blown away. That you know, it's 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 rare that I will sit down and 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 just uh, prove my authenticity to my friends <laughs> when it comes to this space. Uh, but when I do, it's always like, what? Like, where did this come from? Um, Jace's Miss Miss Pac-Man uh, stories ring uh, ring true. They ring true. I'm about, I'm probably like 2,500 points behind him in top score. So I got to let him have that one. I can't, you know, I got to let him have one. You know, I can't. So for the first few years of this relationship, Rick was having a great time fooling around, playing video games. He's always been into video games. He plays with his son, Kyle, who's working towards becoming a game developer himself. But then something changed. In 2015, Rick and Kyle went to a League of Legends tournament at Madison Square Garden. Thousands of people showed up to watch. With Team Solo mid versus Counter Logic Gaming. Very low mana for Bjergsen. He's uber. Zion now for that fight. too. Zion's Barton getting hit. Oh, Chaos Storm is absolutely shredding Team Solo mid. Logic Gaming. Super Mega Death Rock on Within months, Rick and some other investors had paid $1 million for the right to field the team. The whole team lives together in a house in Los Angeles, paid for partially by Riot, the video game publisher, and partially by Echo Fox, their team. Rick wouldn't talk specifically about the money he pays his players, but other people involved in LCS tell me that most players make six-figure salaries. Okay, and tell us a little more about these players, who they are, where they come from, how they stumbled into this lucrative world of professional video games. Yeah, it's really different for each game. There's a whole scene around various video games, mostly playing online. When I asked most of the players for Echo Fox how they came to be pros, 
They said they pretty much started competing, showed they were really good, and began moving up the ranks. They also all said that it's much harder to become a pro now than it was a few years back. Rick is constantly relating esports to his time playing in the NBA. One of the first things he did after forming Echo Fox was to take the team on a tour of the Lakers practice facility. I wanted them to see my world. I wanted them to understand where I came from. Uh, I wanted them to get a sense of what a professional franchise you know, structure looked like because that's what we want to, that's what drives us, right? To bring that level of, of support and background to them, so. Rick also wants them to work out like athletes. When I visited the team, they were preparing for the new season, which started in late January. The organization was launching into a special esports training regimen that had been set up for them at a gym in Santa Monica. That's right near the arena that Riot built to host the actual games. One of the big purposes of today is just here's our starting point, right? So reaction time and, and again, health and fitness. So we're going to uh, also measure like blood pressure. So just these kind of basic things. Um, we're also going to measure grip strength, which is a measure of your brain activation, believe it or not. So they tested everyone's memory, measured how high they could jump, and had this little machine to see how many times they could click on a button in 10 seconds. They could click on a button a lot. But one surprising thing was the fastest person on the team was actually Rick. A few guys had spent their off-season working out, but this is still a group of guys who spent most of their free time sitting at a computer. The gym was clearly not their natural habitat. You gotta measure something in order to manage it, right? So this is all about just seeing kind of where everyone's at today and, and uh, then giving it, like I said, an overview of some of the exercise stuff and, and the cycling. So it's gonna be fun, you know, like I said, there's no red asses. Surprise? The prize? <laughs> Bragging <laughs> rights. <laughs> yeah. Bragging rights, clearly. <laughs> Speaking of prizes, let's talk about how these esports teams are actually making money. So there is the prize money from tournaments, but no one really wants to rely on that for a business. Mostly, investors are betting that big opportunities will develop in the future. This could happen in a few ways. There's the value of the team itself. That is, Rick and his co-investors bought a slot in LCS, assuming that if they want to sell it five or ten years from now, it could be worth much more. Then there's the media rights deals. Those work a lot like they do in professional sports, or at least they hope they will at some point. And there's advertising, where teams and players take on sponsors. That's the big one. A lot of this sounds pretty similar to the economics of traditional sports, but there's one thing that's very different. The game they're playing is the property of a video game publisher. In the case of League of Legends, this is Riot Games. But it's not just Riot. Pretty much every major video game publisher now wants to have esports leagues built around some of their games. Here's what Jace had to say. Imagine football. Imagine the stadium and the players and everything about it is owned by Wilson who sells and makes footballs. And the whole point of everything is to actually sell the football. He wants everybody in the stadium to buy the football. Everybody watching needs to buy the football. Now, if that's the case, the orientation of the entire economic structure, how you would manage that scenario, vastly different than the way football is today, right? Riot recently signed a deal with BAMTech, which is Major League Baseball Streaming Media Unit. 
Bamtech is paying Riot a minimum of $300 million to stream league competitions through the year 2023. It'll run its own League of Legends streaming app and handle the technology for streaming on platforms like Twitch. And if you don't know what Twitch is, it's the most popular live streaming website for video games. So the main way that traditional sports teams make money now is by sharing in the revenue that comes from TV deals. But Riot is keeping all the money from its streaming deal to itself, at least for now. Some team owners were unhappy about that. You can see these tense exchanges on Reddit between Riot executives and team owners. Yeah, Jason and Rick were not involved in those. They like to present themselves as kind of the grown-ups in the room. Something that seems to annoy some of the other owners at times. Either way, they say they're fine with what Riot's doing. And Riot's position makes sense here. Here's a company that made a video game that became popular in this brand new way. And now the company's capitalizing on that. Yeah, but that's not even its main business. Riot made nearly $2 billion in revenue from League of Legends just last year. Most of that was unrelated to esports. And we should also mention there's costs for Riot, too. It puts some money towards player salaries and other team costs. At the same time, the publisher wouldn't have this new opportunity in esports if these teams didn't come along and start competing. So it has to figure out how to keep its new business partners happy and financially sustainable, too. This has both sides a bit on edge. There's the promise of all this new money floating around, and no one wants to get left out. Soon after Rick started Echo Fox, another team called Energy was started by two of the owners of the Sacramento Kings. It started to look like the new big money teams would come in, dominate the league, and change everything. The teams with less money were worried. Turns out they did not have to be. Echo Fox and Energy were both really bad at first. So bad that at the end of the summer season, they had to play in a tournament where the losers would be sent down to the minor leagues. And even though Echo Fox managed to stay in the league, Energy lost. Now, this is bad for Energy, obviously. It lost its investment. But it was also bad for Riot. Instead of playing in the minor leagues, Energy said it was going to stop competing in League of Legends altogether. Right now, video game publishers are competing with one another for the attention of new investors, and having a big name abandon League was not a great look. Rick sees all of this as a sign that everyone in esports is still going through some growing pains right now. If we go back in the history of any league, any any professional sporting league, you'll see that you know, league was formed. Owners come in. A group of you know savvy owners come in, and they, and in some cases, it's six teams that start a league, right? And then it grows to twelve. Then it grows to twenty-four, right? And and that doesn't happen overnight, right? That happens over a period of time. It'll get to that, uh, and we'll look back thirty years from now and go, "Wow, they did that really quickly." <laughs> you know, it's just we're in the middle of it now, so it feels feels like it's taking forever. Riot's been struggling with these really basic questions. After all, they're trying to build a sports league from scratch. The company did not want to record an interview for this show. But an executive told me that it's developing new ways to share media rights 
and what to do about teams getting relegated to the minor leagues, which it says fans like, but team owners hate. The company thinks it'll have the details ironed out sometime in 2018. And this is kind of the situation that everyone in esports is in right now. They say the broad outlines of the future are emerging. Echo Fox's LCS team is playing okay this year. As of mid-February, they were right in the middle of the pack. You know, Rick and Jason, the coaches you talk to in L.A., are they starting to get a feel for what makes an esports team good? And, you know, what are they doing better this year than last year? Well, they brought in a bunch of new players. I mentioned Looper. That was big. And when they talk about strategy, they'll stress that individual players can be talented, but the real factor for success is playing together as a team. And that sounds a lot like traditional sports, but there's another way that esports is different, and that's that Echo Fox isn't just a single team. Right. The organization owns 11 teams playing a range of different video games. They also sponsor players who compete in video games like Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. Those don't have teams per se. It's more like the tennis circuit where there's a single player playing. Taken together, you can think of this kind of like if a single company employed everyone who worked for the Knicks, the Jets, the Rangers, and the guys who box at Madison Square Garden. And this lowers the stakes a bit for what happens in any one league. So if you're bad at LCS, you might still be good at other games like Counter-Strike or Overwatch. They're diversifying their portfolio. Uh, unlike, uh, uh, say, the Lakers who, who just play basketball in the NBA, we at Echo Fox get to, we get to play in League of Legends, we get to play in E-League and CSGO, we get to play in Call of Duty, we get to play in Gears of War. Like, we're in different leagues, so... Most professional sporting organizations just have one expression. We have numerous expressions. It's kind of like this conglomerate of video game-related business ventures. The company just signed its first million-dollar sponsorship deal with the computer maker Asus. Rick and Jace are looking beyond having just a bunch of competitive teams. They say they want to dabble in things like making scripted comedy videos and maybe running their own tournaments and who knows what else. It's not clear which of these ingredients are the most important for a mature esports business, but that's mostly because there's no such thing yet. Yeah, of course we have a team and they play sports. That's just that's like looking at a piano and looking at one key, you know? There's a whole keyboard here. There's like a bunch of notes that can be played, not just one. And I think the most successful esport organizations are going to be the ones that figure out as much of that as possible. But you want to be the model. You're not looking at it. There, there's no one out there right now who you can model yourselves after. At this point. No, absolutely not. We're, we have to be, as far as I'm concerned, personally, we are the ones that are, are setting the model. There's, we have to be. There's no, I, no, there's nothing. So, Josh, do you think the traditional sports industry is even a good analogy to understand the esports business? 
Well, yeah, sure. I think people like to watch competitions. And so if you're trying to understand the appeal, there's a lot of similarity there. It's easy to dismiss video games as sports. Like for me, I love basketball, but I don't get anything out of watching League of Legends. Then again, I don't find golf very exciting either. <laughs> I don't either. So what do you think is different here? I think the business is, is really different. Uh, I think esports business is less straightforward. Advertisers want to access people who watch video game related content. They're generally not watching traditional TV. But advertisers also don't really understand this population. So what Echo Fox or another esports organization does is it gathers all these audiences up through a bunch of various esports leagues or through its YouTube channels or whatever. And it says, hey, big brands, we speak your language, but we also speak this other language. Let us be your translator. And that's it for this week's episode of Decrypted. Thanks for listening. Tell us, are you a fan of esports? Record a voice memo and send it to us at decrypted at Bloomberg.net. Or you can write to me on Twitter. I'm at Joshua Brustein. And I'm at Aki Ito7. You can subscribe to Decrypted on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us a rating and review. This helps us make our shows better. And it also gets our podcasts in front of more listeners. This episode was produced by Pia Gedkari, Liz Smith, and Magnus Henriksen. Alec McCabe is head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll see you next week. 